The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Welcome to our very special Sunday. We call it Q&A Sunday. Uh, Evan, every gathering, bro. I'm just kidding. Space. There is space. Leave room for the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, yes, today is Q&A Sunday. We're going to have a lot of fun today. We thought what, a better way, what better way to end our series of how to study the Bible than taking time to invite some esteemed panelists. They come from all over Marysville. Uh, and this is my notebook, boss. Yours on the front seat, front row. Um, you can write your notes in there. I'll read them later, but um, go Taylor's boyfriend. So, but yeah, so we have a Q&A qu- happening today. There's a number going to pop up on the screen. I want to encourage you to send in those questions via text message. Uh, I will get them on, on site here. I'll be asking them questions as well. Invite, just in case you don't know, this is our panelists. I'm going to start from your right, my, I guess my left. Uh, this is Evan Westerfield, one of our team members, pastors, creative lead here at the Grove Church. He also oversees our podcast that we have that happens every Sunday. It drops a new episode that follows along with our reading plan. You've got Ryan Lawfer, the better looking Aaron Den. Um, just kidding. We're different people, uh, but we look, we look really similar. Uh, he's obviously one of our executive pastors, uh, helps a lot with the new building project, and also is just a fun to be brother from another mother. Uh, Heather, this is Pastor Nick's wife. Uh, there's a lot of, I'm just gonna be honest with you, there's a lot of love and care and, and thankfulness for Heather's voice, her wisdom, her insight, and even her humility to invite us into this journey of loving Jesus as best we can. Uh, so it's really fun to have you up on, this, on the stage with us. And then obviously our fearless leader, Pastor Nick Baumgart. We all refer to him and staff as bishop. Uh, you're more than welcome to call him that or not, depending on how he feels in the moment. So without further ado, we're going to jump in and start answering some questions, get the, the juices flowing for our team. Uh, and it's a simple question for all of us to start off, because I would love for everybody to hear a quick little snapshot from you. Is, is there a phrase or a thought that has really... Uh, challenged and inspired you to prioritize Bible study in your life? Like wh- wh- what's a, a thing that we can all take and be challenged and encouraged by? And I will say this before some question, answers are given. If you're not taking notes, please do. Uh, there will be a list of resources. There will be quotes. There will be statements that are worth taking and leaving today and being challenged by. So I would love for you to make sure if you open your phone, use the note app, take down the notes because it's worth listening to. So uh, I'm going to start over on the far side with Evan. A, th- a thought, a quote, a statement that really challenged and inspired your Bible study. And off the cuff. Off um, the cuff, bro. The one that immediately sprung to mind when you said that was there's an old Charles Spurgeon quote that says the, the Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone whose life isn't. So like, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but you know. Put that on a pillow. <laughs> and Ryan's Bible is a testament to that, that he brought today. So I had to, um, but no, I just think it's, it's this idea of I, if I truly love the Lord and I want to learn more about him, it, he, he gave us like revelation. And so do we actually appreciate that for what it is and do we, do we study it the way that we should? Pastor Ryan. Moving down. Uh, yeah, for me, the last couple of years, it's really been quality over quantity. So I think obviously all of scripture is quality, but I don't know if you've been uh, in this place ever, but the idea to try to read a lot, but I feel like I'm just pushing through uh, and I'm not really retaining anything. And, and scripture, some of it is just so, um, it's just so good that I can spend a day, a week, a sermon, a, a series on sometimes just one verse and so for me, it's been slowing down um, because if I'm just reading it, that's good. 
But if I can read it, understand it, and then it starts to produce fruit in my life because I'm living it out, um, that's even better. And so I would say quality over quantity. Um, for me, oh. on. There's a switch. <laughs> we mute it when Pastor Nick has it, but. Okay, there I am. Um, I don't need one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Paul says in Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I don't know about you, but I just feel like life is hard. Life experiences, emotions are hard. All those things um, make it so that I have to, not just I want to, I have to have my mind renewed by Jesus. And so I want to have the mind of Christ. And I love as I've gotten older and I've studied even a little bit of neuroscience of the brain that they now see that you can actually make new neuropathways in your brain, new pathways. And so uh, what Paul spoke thousands of years ago, now science backs up that you can make your mind new. And so that's one thing. The other thing I would say is what has really spurned me on toward Bible study um, is when I had children and I really, really wanted them to have an actual visual thought for their whole life, even after I'm gone, of mom reading God's word and being in the word. I wanted them to be able to picture in my house where I would sit, what that would look like, um, because I have that with my own parents, you know, that I can visualize where they would sit reading the Bible. And I knew when my dad went out for a walk, he was going to talk with Jesus. And I want my kids to know that about me. And that really was my journey of why the first time for my life, it finally was like, I am going to make this every single day of my life, not just hit and miss. And not that I haven't missed some guys. Of course, I've missed a day here and there. But really, for the last, I'd say, 16 years, that it has been a daily thing for me. So those are the two things. Uh, let, me, let me just first say, we're, we're coaster people. And there's, if, I know it's, it's, a, it's a napkin, but it's not a coaster. So if that's, so let me start there. Um, in order to study the Bible, you have to have a coaster, I guess. So I didn't say that. Um, I think for a lot of us, we, we, we might go, you know what? I would love for Jesus to show up in my life and walk with me and tell me what to do every day. And I'm convinced that every time you and I sit down and read scripture, we're literally in the presence of Jesus. And when you read the scripture, because John says this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so I happen to believe that when I sit down and read scripture, it's literally sitting down with Jesus. And he's talking to me as I read scripture, there he is. And obviously through the living Holy Spirit, there's certain things that can jump off the page. But nevertheless, whenever I read scripture, I'm convinced it's time with Jesus and I want that all the time. So. Yeah, that's really good. So a practical question here, uh, Heather, I'll start with you, is if I'm new to the journey or I need to reinvigorate the journey of studying the Bible, where do I even begin? I would say wherever you can possibly begin, whatever will cause you to want to read scripture. For me, I'm very much into all the aesthetics of, of life. You know, I want to have a pretty environment. And so for me, when I finally dialed into uh, Bible study, it was because I began to habit stack. Have you ever heard that term before? So it just means if you have a habit that you already do, that you are like, it's ingrained into you to do it, put a habit with it that maybe isn't ingrained. So for me, it was uh, having coffee every morning, simple. So I put reading the Bible 
with coffee every morning. I'm already having it. I'm already going to sit and have it. So now I'm going to read the Bible with it. And it became all about, I have a certain chair that I sit in. It's comfortable. I open the windows so I can see the sun if there's sun. I have pretty uh, notebooks that I'm constantly like, this is where my Bible study gets written into, um, pretty pens. I mean, it's like visually, I can see my own handwriting with these colors and study. It's all about all the senses. And so, yeah. Um, and maybe that's not it for you. Maybe you are a check mark person. And you, so the Bible reading plan and a community is something that will cause it. Find out, study yourself. What is it? Do I need to reward myself when I'm done with chocolate? I don't care what it is. Uh, Figure out what will cause you and inspire you to read the Bible and do that. And maybe, and I, for two minutes a day, don't make it like I have to do this 20 minutes a day. Sit down, two minutes a day, read one scripture and let that become a habit for 30 days and then begin adding things to it. Don't make it so complicated. That's really good. Evan, I'm going to jump over to you uh, as the uh, Let's Read the Bible podcast extraordinaire. Um, Translations. Which translations are reliable? If we were to, to take a top five approach or a top six like you the last gathering, uh, what, would be, what would be the recommended translations you would say as a church we should, we should engage yeah. with? Yeah, so I, I would say like what, what you're looking for in a translation is you want it to be something that's done by a committee of people and ideally a committee of people who aren't all a part of one denomination or um, type, I guess, Type of Christianity is a weird way to say that, but because um, where you, where you get into trouble is in like all the translations usually that are bad. It's or or at least I wouldn't recommend. It's usually because it's like one guy did it, and even if that one guy is great, you don't want one guy's opinion. Um, so the the six that I think are really great are um, the New International Version or the NIV, the New Living Translation or the NLT, uh, the New King James Version, the ESV or the English Standard version, the CSB or the Christian Standard Bible, and then the NASB or the New American Standard Bible. Um, And they kind of all exist on a bit of a spectrum. So like the NASB is super literal, like it's about as close to the original Greek and Hebrew as you can get in English, but because of that, it's hard to read. Uh, The NLT is on like the opposite end of that, and the rest of them are kind of in the middle. So as far as for, for you personally, I would say whichever one you get the most out of. And then read more than one translation too. Like as you go through your life, it's, I, I like switching up every couple of years because I'm a dork, but like just being like, like this year's an NASB year and it's been great, you know, seeing all the differences. It's a good time. I think, uh, keep in mind too, a couple of weeks back, we showed a video from bibleproject.com. If you want to write that website down, it's got a lot of great resources, but we showed a one minute video on translations and the idea that some are word for word translations, some are thought for thought. The best ones are typically in between, but there's some things that are helpful that way that you can always uh, check out. But again, bibleproject.com, a lot of great resources there. And that's a really great set to the next question. If you were to give me a quick list two or three resources that you would use that help enhance your Bible study. Uh, I would, obviously, I think it opens open this up to everybody to give a quick hit. But if you give me two or three resources, what are two or three that you would recommend for us to study the Bible with? I think a, a study Bible, I think, I think every Christian should have one um, because there's just, there's a lot of the Bible that's really difficult to understand, especially when you're removed from the original culture. And so having those notes right below is really practical. Um, as far as websites, we've mentioned a few like during the series, but I, I, there's a joke that anytime I have a question, I'll type in the question 
and then just put the Gospel Coalition at the end because, it, like, usually they have an article about it, and that's kind of a collection of people that I, I trust a lot theologically, so I know, like, you're not going to get... Because you know, when you open it up to the Internet, you can get a lot of crackpot stuff. What? So you want to, no. like... I, 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 everything I've read from them, I trust, and so it's nice to be able to have something like that. Okay. So Gospel Coalition is a great resource online. I mentioned again a couple weeks back, gotquestions.org is a great option. Again, theologians that have come together to try to help the average person understand Scripture. Um, I mentioned bibleproject.com is another great one, Bible Gateway, and you can go into that one, biblegateway.com, and you can go into that one and click on study tools, and it's got all kinds of great study tools that take you deeper. Um, we mentioned a concordance a couple weeks back, uh, uh, commentaries that we use, InterVarsity Press commentary, NIV application commentary, and then you mentioned study by Bible, I would highly recommend, and it was really encouraging, by the way, to see this in the lobby the last couple of Sundays, but the Life Application Study Bible, I would say, is probably one of the best out there to, to understand our faith. There's all kinds of tools inside of it that will help you, um, and at the end here, we have a little bit of an announcement to make about that um, that will help you go a little bit further. That's what we call a teaser. <laughs> Any other resources Heather, you or Ryan would add? I love podcasts. And I love to uh, I love to listen to a well-rounded group of podcasts. You know, some um, speakers who would be very uh, into the spirit and and uh, uh, charismatic, and then some who really are heavy on the theology and logic and all that. So hopefully that makes me well-rounded, and I've got lots of verses vo- voices. Um, a few that I listen to actually. I'm a nerd, but every single week, I pretty much I listen to uh, several different ones. Uh, one is Substance Church, Peter Haas in uh, Minneapolis. He's very charismatic. His wife speaks a lot. Um, I like them very much. I listen to Tyler Staten from uh, Portland, Bridgetown Church, and he's very into the rule of life and slowing down the pace and being, um, just being, you know, with Jesus. Uh, I listen to... Hmm. Oh, Mark Batterson, National Community Church in Washington, D.C., and he's very, uh, he loves history, science, like he always tells stories and he puts uh, science in there. That's probably where I learned the neuropathways of the brain from him, and so I like, those are a few that I really, really enjoy every week. That's really good. I also love interviews. Uh, Jenny Allen does a lot of interviews with different people, and so I like that format as well to hear people's stories and hear just off-the-cuff answers kind of similar to this. Love it. Uh, Evan, I'm going to exclude you from this question because you're not at a place where you have kids that are old enough because uh, yours is still young and can't read. Um, but for those of us in the room that have kids, either they're, they're young and beginning to read and beginning to understand and comprehend their cognitive abilities developing or they're teenagers, how do we as parents help engage them or support them in studying the Bible on their own? What would your advice be? Ryan, I'm going to hand it to you first. You're welcome. Wish you would have handed it to Heather first because I had a great piggyback on what she said uh, in the last gathering. Um, I think, I want to try to say this, um, whether it's kids or teens, and I've got some that are kind of in the in-between. I have a daughter who's 13 now and has just started that, those teenage years. Something very early on is um, we had a commitment to read when they were younger every night when we go to bed with one of the you know, children's Bibles, something to age you know, specific for them was to read that, to get in the habit of doing that. Um, I think uh, one of the things that convicts me, so if you are a parent in here of kids or teens, um, the conviction that I feel that, that I, I would assume that some of you could feel as well is we have a very short window of time to help train up our kids on what's the most important things in their life. And that window can feel like 18 years when you have a baby, but how many of you would admit that, man, it goes by way too fast? 
way too fast. That my daughter's going into high school next year scares the fire out of me. And I, I feel like I've lost years. One of, a part of one of our code, one of our core values at the church is that we're just real people challenging real people. Just because we're pastors on a stage doesn't mean I've got it all figured out. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Can I be transparent with you? I have failed in some ways as a dad and had moments and seasons where I was really good at reading the Bible and doing that and others where I haven't. But the conviction comes in, I have a very short window of time to make a difference in my kids' lives. And the statistics show that once they hit 18 and they leave, it's, it's much more unlikely that they're going to have those core values of, of the faith if we don't instill it uh, you know, while they do that. And the last thing I would say with this is um, the conviction is there will always be things that compete with your ability to do this with your kids if you have kids or will compete for you. There's lots of things that will compete for your attention. And some of those things aren't bad things. There's certainly a list of bad things that we can, you know, put our time and energy into. Some of them are good. Can I give you one example? Many of you have heard my testimony. Sports was a huge thing for me in high school. I, and, and, and there were some bad things that came along with it, but it also trained me up in a lot of great ways. Leadership and teamwork and all that kind of stuff. And I really want my kids to be in sports. But I made a commitment, my wife and I talked many years ago, that just because I loved it, I'm not going to let the idea. And right now, it's, I'm just going to be honest with you. There's many things that compete. But the idea is like if I want my kid to potentially be good or play in high school or even have a shot, they've got to be in year-round sports right now or they will never have it. And the truth is, is no, they don't. It is much more important for me I, I, you know, to, uh, to instill uh, the values, the Christian Jesus values in their life than it is that they're good at some other extracurricular activity or even what they could do uh, to further themselves in a, in a job or whatever it is. Things will compete, but we have a very short window to set them up for the rest of their life. Well, and, and two, I mean, Jesus says, what, what does it profit someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And I don't mean to pick on sports, but in some ways it's like you put so much emphasis on that, that, that I, they could have a Hall of Fame career and have a plaque at Cooperstown. But again, if they don't love Jesus, it's like, man, I, I don't know that, that, that that's maybe worth it, really. Um, it's not worth it. Um, I think the other part, and, and I think you can weigh into this really well, but <clears throat> When you think about your kids, and I think for all of us, we're praying for our children. We want them to love Jesus and all that stuff. But the truth is, at the core, it starts with you. And, and my youth pastor eons ago used to say this, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. You, you can give them speeches all day long. You can say all the right things year after year after year. But if you're not that and you're not living out these things, then they're going to know. I mean, they're in your house all the time. They know who you really are. And so I want to challenge you with this. You've got to figure out how to build habits within your own life that you're becoming a reflection of Christ. Because if that's happening, that's going to be your best opportunity to translate it into the lives of your kids. It can't be about speeches and the demands. You read your Bible every night before you go to bed and you better, you know, whatever. Because what that does is really it produces rebellion. And we see that over and over and over. So let me say this. In our own family, I think of how, uh, and again, my wife and I are not perfect by any stretch on this, but Heather and I, we prioritize our relationship with Jesus. So here's what happens. Anytime in our family that we want to stop and have some random conversation that has to do with spiritual things, it's not a weird conversation because it comes out of who we really are. Mm -hmm. There are times where we get random text messages or emails or a phone call that, that there's somebody in a crisis and we'll stop and maybe we're watching a show together at home and we'll pause the TV and go, hey, you know what? We got so-and-so that's going through some stuff. Can we just stop and pray for him real quick? And we'll just stop and have a prayer time. It's not weird because this is how our family operates all the time. We're not putting on a show on Sundays trying to look good and make ourselves sound spiritual here and then go home and our family has no idea what's going on. 
We live the same way here as at home because we love Jesus with all our hearts everywhere. And I want to challenge you with that. It's not because we're perfect because we're not. I've had to repent to my kids many, many, many times over, and I can't even count how many times, as well as my wife. Anyway, but, um, but it is important to understand that who you are is, is something that's being watched by those that you're raising, and that matters to a great degree. I have one thought from Pastor Craig Rochelle that has um, steered me for many years now, and, and it was this. Serving Jesus is not one of the things we do as a family. It is the thing around which everything else revolves. I am a student because, uh, who loves Jesus. I love Jesus, and out of that, I am a parent. Out of that, I am a friend. Um, so I think that that is a big thing. Don't let serving Jesus be one of the things on the list that you do. Um, and then, actually, Nick said some, one of the very most profound, he'll love this. I'm getting extra points here. One of, the, <laughs> Get those pens ready. one of the most profound quotes I've ever heard actually came from my husband about a year ago when he was talking about families. And he said, if serving Jesus takes the backseat in your life, parents, then chances are it's not even going to make it into the trunk of your children. That is strong wording, and it is absolute truth. And so I would say, Get it right in your own spirit that I love Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, and then inspire your children out of that, not demand uh, church attendance and Bible reading. So, yeah. Good stuff. So there's quite a few questions that are coming in in the same vein of thought that I think are important to ask um, is how do I ensure that I'm reading scripture as it's intended to be read? And not taking a verse out of context for like Jeremiah 29, 11 was an example. Like this is a verse that's been used and was spe spoken specifically to God's people. So how do I ensure that my interpretation of scripture is accurate? Because even the question came up like, how do I learn to stay, steer clear of prophet, false prophets? How do I in, ensure that I'm understanding what's being communicated to me as a, a member of the 2024 year? Uh, and reading scripture. And so, uh, so it's kind of a, a broad question, but it has a lot of different subcategories. So the, the overarching thing is how do we ensure that we're reading scripture as it was intended to be read? Yeah, I, th I think the principle is almost the same as Bible translations, where I was saying you want to make sure you have one that's a group of people. Um, there's, a, there's a joke, but when I'm speaking, if I have a thought where it's like, oh, that's a really interesting thought, um, I do what's called heresy checks, where I'll just like, go talk to someone. I'm like, hey, here's my thought. Is this off the wall or crazy? And like sometimes it's like, ah, I don't know if I'd say it that way. And then other times it's like, no, that's a cool thought. Like, so I think there's something about studying together with people. Um, if you have one of those things, running it by people as well. Um, but the, the other way you can involve people is by in a study Bible, right? Those notes are written by other people. When you read commentaries, you're actually getting that uh, theologians take on what the Bible is. That doesn't mean it's an errant or it doesn't have any mistakes, but you're at least getting someone else's uh, really informed opinion on that as well. Uh, and then the, the simple one too is just, except for like the middle of Proverbs, you should never take one verse on its own. Um, always look at, you know, what's the paragraph before? What's the paragraph after? Like try and put it into the context that way as well. Because that the, the biggest issue that happens is you, it's very easy to take just one sentence and and even in your head without trying to do it, it means something different than what it's actually saying because you're not looking at what's before and after it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would add to that, like you said, one of the things we didn't cover in this series, and I, I, 
it was, I had it in my notes and I just didn't mention it, but context is a big deal. And, and Evan mentioned it, but reading what's before and reading what's after is always important because you can take one verse and go, ooh, that's a great verse. Um, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you have that tattooed on your arm or your leg or you have it on a pillow or somewhere. And it's a great verse, but what is, what is Paul talking about when that's written? He's actually talking about whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I, have a plenty or I, whether I have plenty or I have want. I'm good. I'm content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we take it as I can win the basketball game. I, we take it, I can, I can overcome. And it's not that we can't overcome certain things, but there is a context that Paul writes in. And so being aware of context does matter because one of the greatest ways to twist scripture is to not understand the context. And you go, well, gosh, if I don't understand much of any of the Bible, where do you even begin with this? Because you can twist anything. That's why I've said this is a journey that really is a lifetime journey. And little by little, pieces fall into place as you continue with the journey. There are times where you're going to get certain things wrong. I do believe through the living Holy Spirit inside of us, there is a guidance that happens. And sometimes when we're getting it wrong, the Holy Spirit will bring us in line where we need to be with it. But it is a journey that we have with the Holy Spirit as well. And so context is a big deal. And that's part of um, what matters. Yes, so good. Context and community are important. But I would say, if I can hear into the heart of that question, do not let, I'm going to get it wrong, I'm going to get it wrong, I'm going to get it wrong, stop you from reading the Bible. Because you are going to get it wrong sometimes. I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. That's okay. But what we have community of people who can help us. We have context and things like that. We can also just hold it open-handed to the Holy Spirit but still don't stop at, oh, I'm scared to get it wrong. Just read the Bible. There's nobody who knows everything about the entire Bible. There's never been a person in the history of the world that's ever understood everything about all of the Bible front to back, cover to cover. It's a lifetime journey that we're always learning. And I've said before, like at 48 years old, I'm still learning and growing, but I know a, I know a bunch. I don't know everything. At 58, hopefully that's still true. I know a bunch more, but I don't know everything. At 68, at 70, 80, however long I live, it's always a journey of learning and growing. I think that's fun. There's never a point where we arrive. So the journey of it is, hey, I can always learn something new. The Holy Spirit is always wanting to impress upon me something cool. And that, to me, makes it fun. So, And then I think, too, when in Exodus 18, when Jethro is, is challenging Moses and his leadership, one of the things he says is, entrust to reliable people leadership. And there's something about, and I know this is on some level certain trust, but the idea that, okay, great, I'm the pastor of the church, but you're sitting, you know, we're sitting up here and there's, to me, reliable people that help teach. So Evan has a podcast. There's life groups. that we, There's individuals that we've empowered to lead. We always want to do our best to, to empower reliable people to hand down leadership, the word of God, scripture, teaching um, to others. And that's supposed to be happening for thousands of years already and should continue. And so we feel the way to that as yeah. well. Really good stuff. Uh, we have time for a couple more questions. I want to make sure we get through some of the ones we can. Um, as, as a parent, it kind of goes back to the question that a little bit ago, but like, what are some good resources that you would suggest or recommend for your kids? Um, maybe not just your own personal life, like what you model. Uh, I think, Pastor Nick, you said one time, or one of the gatherings is like, you reproduce who you are. Um, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. So this idea of raising our children, but what are some good resources to help support uh, parents out here trying to equip and, and their kids? Evan, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, so I, this, I don't, my kid's like eight months old, so, but... <laughs> But he uh, loves the podcast. So loves that. Th podcast. I'm just going to throw this out here really quick um, because I've read it. My wife has read it. We plan on reading it with Joel. 
Um, it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible, but yeah. it's a fantastic early childhood Bible. So that's just, that's the resource I would throw out there. Yeah. It's a good one. Right. So just say that again. It's the Jesus Storybook Bible. The Jesus Storybook Bible. The second one consecutively for that, when your kids are getting into that three, four, five, the Adventure Bible. And, and that's a great next step, helps them understand a little bit deeper. And then there's all kinds of options at a Bible bookstore or at cbd.com, not the substance, but Christian book. <laughs> it's literally christianbook.com, but CBD is, anyway. But, but on there, you can find all kinds of Bibles for um, adolescents, for tweens, for teenagers, for students, for college students, for gals, for guys, all kinds of great options. Age appropriate, there's some incredible conversations. I'm gonna be really cheesy and say this. Does anybody remember VeggieTales? Nope. I realized that, that for years, I don't know where they went or whatever, but there's some great foundational things for kids that are actually relatively entertaining when you go back to some of the veggie tales, maybe from the, the 2000s, what, 2001 to 2010, maybe, um, some great basic lessons that would help your kids understand some great Bible stories. Um, I've mentioned before, and you can write this down, BibleProject.com is a great one with tons of resources that will help you understand uh, videos that help you understand uh, the Bible, and, and you, it would engage your kids as well. For teenagers, maybe uh, struggling with some deeper questions about God, how do we know God's real, you know, how, why creation, all those things, I would say, uh, oh, it just failed me. Uh, oh, my gosh. There's three, a series of, th a, case, a case for Christ, a case for uh, creation, a case for faith. Um, and they have them at different stages for kids. I don't think it is, Paul Little. No, why you Lee, believe this. Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is those cases. Um, it just sort of lays out, and it, you know, depending on which book you grab for teens or for kids or for adults, uh, it'll go a little bit deeper. But those are some of the, like, when your kids have questions, and they will and should. It's so good. Um, affirm their questions. Oh, that's a really good question. And God is, you know, God has an answer for you, but it might take you a journey of figuring that out. I think that that's super powerful, especially for teenagers, not to, like, squelch their questions. Yeah. Yeah. And even a couple other resources. Uh, one would be, I bought a Bible recap devotional for kids, which is, it works through the Bible chronologically, but it gives activities, coloring things. It also gives a thought, a main point. Uh, so that's called the Bible recap devotion for kids. Um, we also, I know with Grove Kids, hands out a handout for parents that has a QR code on it that helps you take what they were learning in Grove Kids a little bit deeper. So you can take that and actively engage in conversation with your children uh, on, on a regular basis. Um, that was from an extra source, AKA my wife. So a um, couple more questions. There's two questions here. One uh, is this is, I think it's important for all of us to hear is, is answering this simple question is what would you say to someone who's trying to study the Bible, but doesn't feel worthy, uh, whether they don't feel like they understand enough, maybe they've got a lot of things in their own life. They just don't feel worthy enough to study the Bible. What would you say to them? No, I, th I think the, the, there's kind of two halves to that. I think the idea of feeling worthy kind of communicates just sin and, and all of that. And it, I would say it's just a matter of remembering that all of us, have, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's in Romans. Um, and so there's no, no one has ever picked up scripture except for Jesus where they're like, I'm perfect and sinless. Now let me see what this has to say. Like every, every other person in the history of the world, um, has brought sin with them as, the, as they walk through it. So I think it's just being conscious of the, the Holy Spirit and, and letting the Holy Spirit convict where, where he'll convict, um, and show us truth will show us truth. And then as far as the academic side, I think it's just 
don't don't be ashamed of where you start. Like Jesus called the disciples were like they were fishermen. They were working. They were working class people for generation after generation. The vast majority of Christians were literate, um, and, and yet still they, they hungered after the third or after the after the truth of Scripture. And so I think maybe one thing is just getting a translation that's easier to read. Like if you're into one of the if you if the translation you have at home is maybe one of those ones that's very literal, but it's a little bit hard to read. There's nothing wrong with getting maybe it's the New Living Translation. Um, the NIV put out, it's an NIVR, where it's like the reader's translation, but it's meant for um, either people who are younger, they use it a lot in prison ministry, um, and things like that, so I think that's great. So I don't think there's anything wrong with start, starting where you can start, and then eventually as, as you go, you'll begin to learn more, you'll begin to um, have more fruitful Bible study time. Any, any other thoughts? Oh, the Bible is full of people who felt that exact same way and were that exact same way. Murderers, adulterers, people who did not have the answer, people who were afraid, who who were terrible people, honestly, um, who definitely were not worthy of Scripture. So <laughs> in one way, uh, all the more dig in because you will find yourself in the pages. Absolutely, that's those same emotions that you deal with, that I deal with, I find them in the pages of Scripture and stories, and I'm inspired that God used them and had a plan for them. And some of some of their very weaknesses were the things that God transformed and used for his glory. So I think if that's how you feel, yay, that's awesome. And that's the place to start right there. So good. I wish we had time to answer every question. I don't have time, but I know this week we'll be doing more of the recap of the questions we didn't get to. Uh, last question for you, Pastor Nick, is simply this. Based upon this series and your heart to uh, challenge and inspire us to be active studiers of Scripture, uh, what, what would you say to us as the next step coming out of this series, coming out of the time, even this Q&A? What is, what is the next step you would encourage and, and pastor us to do? Yeah, our heart behind doing this whole series is really, um, and this is the way I said it a couple weeks back, when you learn to read, and maybe you were four or five or six or eight or whatever years old, when you learn to read, it didn't, you didn't translate it this way, but, but the onus became upon you to know the scriptures. Now, again, you didn't, your mom didn't teach you that when you were learning how to read the word the and 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 all the simple ones, but it's true. And I believe that one of the plagues or scourges or, or, or epidemics, nobody likes that word right now, of our society is that it's biblically illiterate. But, but I don't even, even mean society as, as a whole. I mean, like in the church. And that's not okay. Something needs to change and the fact is, it means all of us taking upon ourselves the verse I said in the very beginning of this series to memorize, Acts 17, 11. Have the kind of character that says, hey, great message on Sunday. I'm going to go study it myself. So I want to challenge every single person to know the onus is upon you to understand the scriptures. And while it's a giant labyrinth of stuff, little by little as you chip away, it becomes a beautiful picture of God's relationship with you. And that's what it's meant to be. Let me end with this. One of the things we're doing out of this series is we're creating a two-week class to take you through the Bible that I mentioned, the Life Application Study Bible. So March 10th and 17th for two Sundays, not in here because we have a new series coming up, but, but we're going to have a class in a room 
at 11.45 for two Sundays in a row to walk you through how to study the Bible. And we're going to go through the Life Application Study Bible. So if you're interested, we would love to have you sign up. The form is available. I think we even have a screenshot maybe of it, possibly. Um, But anyway, I want to encourage you to sign up for that and come and be a part of it because it will help you understand the basics so that the journey can be on your shoulders and not just on our shoulders. So I'll end with that and we got to be done. Yeah, to find, to find the sign-up form, if you go on our website or on our app, it's under the events tab, and it'll just say how to study the Bible uh, discipleship class, so we'd love to have you. Yes, so thank you for your questions so far. We look forward to answering more. Uh, thank you, panelists. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.